Hi, my name is Dawn Wing, and you are listening to the very first ever episode of This Little Light. And if you listen to the trailer, you heard that my heart is to expose the lies of the enemy as far as the music industry, Hollywood, politics, history, social movements, the education system, and so many more things go. So many more things in our world go. So many things that define our culture, who we are, the way we do things. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. We're going to go really deep into a variety of topics. But before we ever do that, I need you to understand that this is not in any way meant to magnify, glorify, bring any praise or honor at all to Satan. This is not meant to lift him up. This is meant to knock him down. He thinks he has this pedestal that he is on and he can't, he can't be knocked down, but he can because Ephesians 5.11 says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. This is our call as Christians. This is our call as followers of Christ, not just for me, not just for your pastors or your leaders no, this is for everyone. And we are supposed to speak truth to those, to the dark. We are supposed to be a light in the darkness. And the only way that we can ever illuminate the dark is if we get close to it. And we see, we see it for what it is. And we start shining light on it. And that is what this entire show is dedicated to. And this all stemmed <laughs> from 2020 just like everybody else I was not prepared at all for what happened I came into this with that whole 2020 vision mindset you know just like everybody else in the church I thought it was gonna be amazing I was jazzed and then COVID hit and I was like okay so it's just 15 days to slow the spread it won't be bad and then that turned into what six seven weeks eight weeks at home um and life as we knew it completely different everything changed but right before covid hit and let me tell you i am not a dreamer for real i don't i don't have those dreams where i wake up and i'm like oh i know that was god you know but i did have a dream right before it was like january-ish where I saw all these like schools and government buildings and houses and just the foundation on these places where families are, families are being raised. Oh, churches was involved in that too. Churches, government buildings, schools, houses, all these foundations on these places that make up our world the foundation just crumbles and I'm like oh weird I wake up and it never really occurred to me until COVID hit that that was a God dream and I think the Lord was attempting (laughs) to prepare my heart for what was coming but your girl didn't want to (laughs) listen and and it was like the first week of being at home when I started reading in Genesis and the story of Jacob where he's getting ready to go back and see his brother and he gets alone and then he wrestles with God he walks out of that battle and he 
has a limp and a new name. I read this every day for six weeks. I could not get away from it. I stayed there and I couldn't figure out why. And finally, the Lord started making it very clear that I needed to ask him some hard questions. We needed to wrestle because there were things in my life that I was entertaining and allowing that do not bring him glory at all that only perpetuate the darkness and not use me as a light to expose those things and man <laughs> it was such I felt like literal scales were falling off of my eyes in a lot of ways and after I read I was just casually reading one day and Ephesians five eleven so stood out I was like oh my gosh, we're missing it. And then you go back to church once church has finally decided to open back up. And you see how significant COVID was for the church. And it really was such a wheat and tear sifting situation, you know. And it exposed the heart of a lot of our leaders in that we in like mainstream Christianity look up to and and thought were so so holy and then we realized oh wow they're just regular people <laughs> and I don't know it was just such a critical just earmarked moment in my walk with the Lord that whole season was and as I've grown since then in the things that the Lord has shown me, I, I can't stay silent anymore. I can't, I cannot use the voice that God gave me to pretend like it's not there. And I am no one special at all. I am just a woman who loves the Lord with her whole heart. And I know that my main purpose is to know him and make him known. That's why I was created. And making him known means going into those really hard places, into those places nobody really wants to talk about because we don't we don't want to touch that situation. Going into those places and saying, mm mm, this is this is not okay. And as a mother to two boys that are gonna change the world, I am wholeheartedly convinced that my boys will change the world. But I have to be a world changer first. I have to set the pace for them. I have to pave the way. So, that is where we're at. Now that you have heard all of this, today's episode is going to be laying the foundation for every episode to come. Unless we know who the enemy really is, we have no idea what we're working with. And I read a quote from The Art of War, actually, by Sun Tzu. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This goes to show how important it is 
that we know who the enemy is. And first and foremost, Satan is the enemy, the devil. He is not a little red guy with horns and a pointy tail with a pitchfork. No, he is a fallen angel. And prior to his fall, Satan was known as Lucifer. In Ezekiel 28, 12-19, I'm going to read some of it. Um, says, You were the seal of perfection. I'm starting in verse 12. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. I'm not going to read through those stones. I am going to go down to the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was a your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities. By the iniquity of your trading, therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth. In the sight of all who saw you, all who knew you among the peoples were astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. So let's let's just do a little recap. <laughs> Lucifer was God's chief cherub angel. And if you don't know what cherubim are, they're like the top of the top. They're the highest ranking angels. You don't get any higher. And there are only three other, there are three cherub angels mentioned in the entire Bible. It's Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. He covered, Lucifer covered the mercy seat, which is known as the throne of God. Lucifer quite literally guarded the throne of God. He didn't just hang out like occasionally in the presence. He didn't get to go up there and just hang out for a few minutes. That was his resting place. That was his assigned anointed position to cover the throne of God. He was full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, full of talent, and very near to God. He sinned against God, and due to the consequences of his sin, he was cast out of the presence of the Lord for eternity. Spiritual corruption leads to physical devastation. When Lucifer was cast out of heaven, his name changed. A biblical Hebrew name reflects the characteristics of that person. Lucifer's name was then changed to Satan. And the Bible gives us 22 different names for Satan. And I am going to leave my notes in the description box so you can see where the scripture references came from. And you have these to go back to if you want them. And I'm going to go through a few of these names. But... 
Um, he was originally referred to as Lucifer. And this comes from Isaiah 14:12. He the name Lucifer means star of the morning and shining one or shining one. He's Satan, the devil. <laughs> this means slanderer. A slanderer is someone who makes a false, malicious statement, especially one which is injurious to one's reputation. He is the prince of the power of the air. And that's from Ephesians 2.2. And this pretty much just sums up that Satan dominates his worldly human subjects. And all that is a part of that. So you're talking like government, music, culture, social movements, anything like that. So he is the king of death. He has the power of death. That's what he does. He brings death, disease, destruction. He is the prince of this world. It means he's the ruler. This is his domain. He's a ruler of darkness. <laughs> this name reveals Satan's rule, authority, and cosmic power over present darkness of this world. And it breaks my heart to think that so many, so many Christians just have no idea what what he is, what he's what we're dealing with. They just blow it off as some just something the Bible mentions. You know, it's not to them it's not nearly as big of a deal. And we're gonna get into that more in just a minute. Um, let's see some more. He's a tempter. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's an angel of light. He's a liar. And we're gonna go into some of his characteristics too. And that's where these I'm gonna break those down just a little bit more, but the last one that I want to mention to you or the last ones I guess is the enemy this name reveals that Satan is hostile towards feels hatred towards opposes the interest of and intends to hurt God himself in a roaring line this name describes Satan's destructive threat so we have a very real enemy in case you did not catch that he is very real and hell is very real the entire Bible, it is truth. It is God breathed, God inspired. It is alive and active. It is a double edged sword, and we need to take it seriously. So, let's talk about some of the characteristics of Satan. He was a fallen angel, and angels are created with a personality, intelligence, will, and emotion. He has all the properties of an angel because he was an angel he has the ability to plan communicate and make choices and he is he is held accountable for all of his actions by god he's a spirit because he is a fallen angel and angels are spirit a spirit is a immaterial being he can only be present at one place at a time he is not omnipresent and when satan fell other angels came with him he had so lifted himself up and pretty much convinced them that he was worthy of being worshipped just like god 
just like he thought. And when he fell, they all decided to come with him. God cast them out too. And this is where demons come from. It is possible for Satan to materialize in human form. He's immortal. He's an accuser. He's a deceiver. And his greatest work is convincing us that he's not real. And that's why I said we were going to break this down. This completely blew my mind. I looked at a Barna survey. Four out of ten Christians, 40%, strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. An additional two out of ten Christians said they agree somewhat with that perspective. A minority of Christians indicated that they believe that Satan is real by disagreeing strongly, and about one-tenth, which is nine percent, agreed somewhat. The remaining eight percent were not sure what they believe about the existence of Satan. Like, what? You mean to tell me that you read the Word of God, and you cannot... You call yourself a follower. You call yourself someone who worships God and puts him first and all these things. But you mean to tell me you can't fully trust that the Bible makes it, who makes it very clear that Satan is very real and hell is very real. That just so blew my mind. But once again, this goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning about the church. We haven't just allowed Satan to come through our doors occasionally, like the church building. No, no, no. We have given him, he's not hanging out in the congregation anymore either. He's up in pulpits. He is preaching messages. He is running the show in a lot of places, in our youth, in our kids' ministry, in our our worship services. He is, he has made room for himself because we have given him access. When we start compromising with the world, his domain, and we start allowing him access to what was he can never have back, we have messed up and we will be held accountable for that. And the fact that more Christians, <laughs> that is not 100% of Christians believe that Satan is real, or there is even 8% that aren't sure what they believe about the existence of Satan means we are not doing our job. And we learned, we learned in 2020, and I keep saying this because it was so, it was so big in my walk. We learned that Satan's loud, but we can be louder. And in Afghanistan, when the Taliban, that whole, that whole mess, that should have never happened, by the way, that's for another day, you know. <laughs> um, but when all of that went down the way it did, and the Taliban was coming in, and the underground church didn't cower and say, oh no, we need to run. They were like, nope, now's the perfect time. Let's go. We're going to keep knocking on these doors. We're going to keep telling people about Jesus until somebody takes us out. They didn't stop. <laughs> they, were, they were not compromising what the word said. Go, which is go, and preach the gospel. Go tell the good news. Go. Go to all the nations. They didn't compromise that for a situation. China. The underground church in China. 
when you're having to smuggle baubles into a country and they're still mating, like they're hungry, they are desperate for more of him. But we can't even get up on Sunday morning because we're tired and we don't want to go to church. We just had a long night. Man, we have so far to go. And that is such a tactic and strategy of the enemy to keep us in this place of being comfortable. And, oh, I don't want to talk about these things. I don't want to, I don't want to address them. I don't want to, I don't want to do that, God. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun (laughs) situations. And that's me. I am preaching to myself. But knowing how he works, who he is, his characteristics, what he's, what God has placed him here or cast him out of heaven to do in this territory, knowing these things makes me want to follow harder after God and just be so aware of who my father is and be so confident in who he has called me to be and who Christ is in me and know these things that I'm a citizen of heaven and by those things <laughs> Satan has no mm-mm, I am uh-uh, I'm not his that makes me want to go harder into that let's get back to this I went way off let's bring it back around he is an imitator He has always wanted to be worshipped, so he strives to imitate the one who created him. Since Satan can't create anything, he can only take what's already been created and pervert it. He's the father of lies. The truth is not in him, and he is incapable of speaking truth. He's a murderer and has been since the very beginning. He's a tempter. He's a sinner and completely unable to be saved. And when we know those things about who he is, we have to speak to who we are and who we were created to be. We were created in the image of God. His attributes that make him who he is were placed inside of us. God created humanity because it pleased him to create for his glory. So we were created... To bring glory to God within his creation. And the only way that can be done is if we have a solid relationship with him. Think about the garden before sin entered the picture. God walked with Adam and Eve. He was in constant communication with them. And he gave them roles and purposes and the things that they were supposed to do to tend to the garden and... God set this up. His original design and intent for us was just to know us and to have relationship with us. Our purpose cannot be fulfilled apart from God. Before he ever created the world and everything in it, he had the idea of us. He knew our names. He knew that in this timeline he would place us right now doing what we're doing for his kingdom purposes he wrote all these plans out and he has them waiting on us to give him our yes but that can only be done once we are willing to turn away from everything we uh, we've known 
and let him redeem and restore us back to his original design. The fulfillment of God's purpose for our lives depends on his grace. And grace is God's freely given favor and love. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. He loves us just because we're his. And knowing that I can't do anything to make him think any more or less of me. And that when I do mess up, he's going to be like, all right, let's fix it. As long as I'm willing to turn to him and humble myself and say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I see it. I know. And let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do within me and convict and bring me back to him and restore me back to him and let my father speak to those things and speak his truth, the truth over what I did so I can do better next time when he gives me the chance. When sin entered the garden, when Satan entered the garden, it was done in such a way he twisted the words of what God had said. Did God really say? And because there was a false sense of like love, I guess, for it wasn't false because Adam did love Eve, but it was that not really thinking about it. Like, I'm gonna do this because I'm your I'm gonna protect you. Yeah, I'm gonna eat this with you, girl. You give me that fruit situation because she ate it and he watched her and then she hands it to him and he's like, Yeah, this is a great idea, despite what God said. And then they realized in that moment when they realized God immediately started pursuing them because they were trying to hide and cover up what they had done. And God knew exactly where they were at. He knew where they were hiding. He knew what they did. He knew they were trying to cover it. Because he's so good, he called out to them and he was like, where are you, Adam? Where did you go? Because he pursues us always. He always, because he wants us. He wanted Adam to know that he was still there, that even though he messed up pretty big, he still wanted him to come to him. And in that moment, God took that shame and guilt that they were covering, you know, with the fig leaves. He took that and he was like, here, let me, let me cover this. So he goes and kills a lion and takes the skin of the lion and covers their guilt and their, their shame, their sin in that moment. And that's so, it foreshadows what Christ did on the cross for us. God sent his son to die on the cross, the line of the tribe of Judah, to die for our sins, to restore relationship back to him. The blood of Jesus covered our guilt, our sin, our shame, our brokenness, our sickness, all of it, all of it. It covers it all. And knowing how good our Father is, and knowing who's who we are and whose we are, makes an entire, entirely different, eye-opening situation in the world that we're living in. We are citizens of heaven, and it's time for us to act like it. It's time for us to start speaking truth to these lies. It's time for us to see the things that we've entertained and allowed, and just given up freely because we don't think it's ours to have anyway no 
Mm-mm, my God created it. My, my Heavenly Father created that. So we got to start taking territory back. And it's not just for our benefit. It's for generations to come. It is time for us to take a stand against the enemy. We can't defeat him. He's already been defeated. He knows he's been defeated. He knows his eternal situation. It is damnation. Lake of fire. He knows this. Jesus going to the cross, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and it's going to back to heaven. No, he knows. Satan is very aware. And in the last days, it gets very real. And whether the last days mean 50 years from now, 5 days from now, 5 years from now, 500 years from now, we need to live like we're living in the last days, regardless if it is or not. And it is time to start walking out our kingdom purposes and glorifying God in all we do. And that means speaking truth into the lies that the enemy has allowed this world to to believe. Satan wants what we will inherit, which is the kingdom of God. As children of God, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We'll inherit the kingdom of God and we will become kings and priests with authority over nations. Why are we not acting like who we were created to be and designed to be? And now knowing all that you know about the enemy we're gonna go into what the church can do that is what the next episode is going to be about and that might be a two-parter possibly three depending and i am praying that the lord just opened your eyes the way that he did mine and that you can see these these things for yourself not because somebody's telling you and i'm encouraging you Go to the word. Take everything back to the word. Don't take my word for any of this. Go to the word yourself. And study to show yourself approved. And we can grow in this together. We can walk it out together. You can go to the Facebook page. This will light. And we can talk about things. Discuss. Give me some questions. I will try to get you answers. I might have some questions for you. Let's walk this out together. So I encourage you, go to the Facebook page and let's discuss. And also, while you're listening on Anchor or Spotify, you can now find this little light on Google Podcast. Remember, the episodes, new episodes are released every Sunday. I am so looking forward to walking this out with you.